We meet today in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1 to verse 35. Our young man has been attending the school of wisdom for quite some time now. I think we will have a graduation ceremony soon. In this chapter, there are cautions against self-indulgency, before rulers, against avarice, visiting a cure, speaking before a fool, and oppression. We see that as an emphasis of verse 1 to verse 11. There are exhortations to study wisdom and to correct children for their good. In verses 12 to verse 14. Then the joy of teachers and parents over wise children with cautions against envy, intemperance, and wardom. And the exhortations to buy the truth, to honor parents, and to give God the heart these issues are dealt with in verses 15 to verse 26. Then there is the infatuation of drunkards in verse 27 to 35. This is the chapter before us. Here is Proverbs 23 verse 1 to verse 3. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. You see here the guest is admonished to give his attention to the host, the ruler, rather than to the food. The phrase here, put a knife to your throat, is an oriental idiom for practicing restraint so that the guest is further directed to control his gluttony at all costs. In other words, be temperate in all things. Use moderation and self-control, even when you eat. In our day, the theory is that some people eat not because of hunger, but because of psychological factors. Some people eat when they are under depression or tension, when they are uptight. We should be relaxed and enjoy our meals, but even as we enjoy, we must eat with moderation. Proverbs 23 verse 4 and verse 5 say, Do not overwork to be rich, because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. The challenge of these verses is to admonish people to avoid making the acquisition of wealth the chief aim of one's life by concentrating all energies upon its pursuits. See, it says, do not overwork to be rich. You see, there is nothing wrong in being rich, my friend. There is nothing wrong in working to be rich. However, don't make that the goal in life. Wealth should not be the very object of our hearts. Some men have a lust, a thirst, and a covetousness to make the almighty dollar. And the dollar becomes their God. A child of God is not to do that. One Christian wealthy man once said, I do not make money for the sake of money. I make money for what it can do. 
At first I made money for what it could do for me. Now I make money for what it can do for God. He is now a repented person and he has a correct view as you see. There is nothing wrong in a man becoming wealthy. The wrong comes in when there is the overweening desire of the heart for money. That is covetousness. Actually, it is modern idolatry on every part of the continent of Africa. In Africa, there are not many people who are bowing down to worship idols as it were. However, there are people busily engaging their whole lives in the worship of money. Corruption in both the private and the public sector is the worship of the dollar. There are many Africans today who are now economic refugees in America, Europe, and Asia. Some of them are degrading themselves to the levels of becoming slaves, again, all in search for money. In my own country, some are building large houses which they would only enter when they are in the casket, when their bodies would be brought back home for burial. Who would now enjoy what they so passionately worked for? That's what covetousness does. And that is what this proverb is talking about. That is a false god. And that false god is like an eagle that will fly away at any moment. That false god will fly away. Listen to that proverb again. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Here is Proverbs 23, verse 6 to verse 8. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. These verses issue warning to the miserly host who wears a mask of liberal hospitality, but who actually begrudges the outlay of such a feast. The miser betrays the attitude of his heart, and the guest sensing the attitude of the host becomes new seated so that every morsel from the table of the insincere host is loathsome, thus will become a vomit. Do not remove the ancient landmarks, nor enter the fields of the fatherless. Proverbs 23 verse 10. Again, the landmarks comes again. Any man who removes the landmarks or invades the land of a widow or orphan in order to extend his own property is due a rude awakening. Yahweh, the Lord God, is the kingsman redeemer, according to Ruth 4 verse 4 and verse 6, 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 11, and God will protect the borders of the vulnerable. Even when human help is gone, my friend, I want you to know, God is always there. Now we have this landmark. It is there again with us. If you have lost your faith, well, you better not pass that on to your children because they will really pay for it. You probably had a good background 
and Christian parents, but your children will have no background to protect them. What legacy are you giving on to your children? Is it that which has boundaries removed or it has the boundaries intact? Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Proverbs 23 verse 13. This is another proverb that talks about discipline. In essence, it is saying irresponsible love turns away from painful duty. When a parent punishes his disobedient child firmly in a spirit of love, he is doing the child the greatest good and not harm. The word hell here refers to death and the word soul to life. Death in youth was considered punishment for wickedness, just as long life was thought to be the reward for righteousness. Now there is a twofold aspect to deliverance. First, from physical dangers to which an undisciplined youth might be exposed, and from spiritual death to which rebellion against God would lead. Now, we have been over this before, but remember, that Paul adds to this that the parent is not to correct the child in a fit of rage or anger. The correction is to be for discipline, not punishment. If the discipline doesn't help to develop the character of the child, it is no good at all. We should not tell our children that we are punishing them. Rather, it would be better to tell them that we are disciplining them. Paul tells the fathers not to provoke the children to wrath, but bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Ephesians 6 verse 4. We need to remember that it is the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, not of men. That is important. Here is Proverbs chapter 23 verse 19 to verse 21. Hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine babas. Do not mix with wine babas or with the gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. This is an admonition to avoid the company of those who meet together to drink intoxicating liquors. The phrase gluttonous eaters of meat is a reference to those who harm their own bodies by gluttony and excess eating only for the gratification of their own appetites. This Epicurean lifestyle centering upon self-gratification naturally produces laziness and sluggardness with poverty as the inevitable result, as the inevitable visitor. Be very careful of the company you keep, my young men. Birds of a feather flock together. Evil companions produce evil manners. This is a special warning to the young person. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 23, verse 22. You see, the young man is almost ready to graduate from the school of wisdom. His parents may be getting old. His dad may be a square. 
He may even be a little bit senile, but the old people still have a lot more sense than the young man has. You would hear an example of this if you would only talk to Absalom, by the way. He would tell you that his dad had more sense than he had. He thought he could win a rebellion against his father, King David. But old David was a war horse, you remember. He was a warrior. When that boy moved out to the battlefields, he made a mistake. He should never have left Jerusalem because David knew his way around on the battlefields. And it was a fatal day for that boy. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Proverbs 23 verse 23. This verse before us advises that truth with its wisdom, instruction and understanding should be purchased and preserved whatever the effort or cost, whether friends, status, possession or even life itself. Truth is important. Truth is vital. You and I do not need now to buy truth with money. You see, truth is available to us without money and without price. Isaiah 55 verse 1 tells us, Oh, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And to you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. What is going on? Well, Christ is all of this for the child of God. Christ is the truth and the wisdom and the understanding. The brilliant young Pharisee Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, tells us about it, you see. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. This Christ, he says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So we are told, buy the truth and do not sell it. Embrace it. When you have truth, do not even tread with it. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. These are precious commodities never to be traded with. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 23 verse 26. When he says, my son, give me your heart. He is not talking to the unsaved man here. He is talking to his son, the child of God. He is talking to the one to whom he has given a new heart, a new nature, who has been born again. Now he says to that one, I want you to come to me and I want you to yield yourself to me. If you love me, keep my commandments. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a a narrow well. Proverbs 23 verse 27. Now, if anyone thought I was wrong in saying that the stranger was a harlot, then here is a parallelism that shows that the two are synonymous. That should answer that question. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. The harlot is like a deep pit which is hidden until one stumbles into it. The seductress is as a narrow well which has a narrow opening, making it difficult for one to get out after falling therein. 
it is easy to be led into promiscuity, but very difficult to rise from it. That is the warning. In fact, that warning is there in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 15, chapter 5, verse 3. She who lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Proverbs 22, verse 28. You see, the lives of two men illustrate this proverb. There is the story of Judah in the book of Genesis. That is a sorry chapter which tells his story when he went into a hallowed. Then there is the story of Samson. If he were here today, he would say, I found out that a harlot is treacherous. She can betray you without a calm. Thus, these two men fit this proverb. She who lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. That is what happened. Who has war? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has readiness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. Those who go in search of mixed wine. Proverbs 23, verse 29 to verse 30. Now, we begin a section that is giving us a warning against this matter of drunkenness. We have had many warnings about wine and women, but there is no song. But there is no song. Why? Because Proverbs 23 verse 32 to verse 35 says, At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? This person is lost. This person is swallowed, obsessed by drink. And the warning is saying, who has a woo? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has readiness of eyes? Whenever you see these earmarks, it is an evidence sometimes and in many, many respects the result of alcohol abuse. So we see here a vivid picture of a drunkard. Drunkenness is supposed to be characterized by joy and merriment. But this is overshadowed by the problems, heartaches, and quarrels, even according to Daniel chapter 5, verse 4. It is characterized by anxiety, violence, and poor health. The warning here is to avoid even looking at the alluring wine, as verse 31 says, which is like the subtle poison of a serpent entering a small opening, but affecting the entire body with its deadly consequences. Drunkenness prepares the way for other lusts. Even the victim's senses are so distorted that he is void of control over his own faculties. 
And so you will be led into further and further depravity and sin. It is not wise to be controlled by alcohol. Proverbs here reminds us of the tremendous human suffering that can result from the abuse of alcoholic beverages and warns us about the dangers of losing control to alcohol. In a day of widespread alcoholism and with alcohol consumption a factor in countless crimes, including accidents on the roads, which are caused by drunken drivers and workers. The warnings of scripture here need to be taken more seriously than ever, even today. And may God deliver us from the snare of alcohol. It has brought many homes down. It has destroyed many lives. It has destroyed communities and even nations. Wise is a man. Wise is a woman who will not be trapped by all these. Why? Is it because someone is watching over you? No, it is because God says it is not good for you. And the warning of God is to be treasured in life more than the warnings of men. In any case, you may even be in your own house with no one watching you, but God is seeing. And his warnings are for your good. Just like many of our children, they tend to believe that parents are killjoys. They are depriving them of the things they need in order to enjoy lives. But any reasonable parent today will actually agree with me that whenever they put rules and regulations to their children, they intend that out of these rules and regulations, life will turn out good for their children. In the same way, when God gives us his warnings and his rules in the word of God, it is so that our lives will turn out to be good. His laws are not burdensome. His commands, we obey them because we love him. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.